Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with the Spirit of EQ, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. Today's episode is on the art of active listening. Life is a journey. Spirit of EQ helps shape and guide the road ahead for individuals, leaders, teams, and organizations striving to realize their full potential through emotional intelligence. Spirit of EQ is a coaching and consulting company that assists individuals and businesses to reach their full potential by developing emotional intelligence. In business, managers and leaders recognize the value of training to develop leadership skills. What they may not realize is that those skills are far more effective when they pay attention to not only performance, but also to people. Emotional intelligence is a crucial skill because people drive performance and emotions drive people. Joining me as always is Jeff East with the Spirit of EQ. Hey Jeff, how are you? Hi, Eric. I'm fine. Hello, everybody out there. Okay, Jeff, I think I'm a great listener. And if my wife is listening, she'd say, no, you're not. <laughs> I think that's universal. That- <laughs> <laughs> okay, see, that's self-depreciating. We, we, we're, we're humble here at the Spirit of EQ podcast. I, I guess we might call that inactive listening. I'm not sure. Okay. But but what we want to talk about today is active listening. We're in an uh, not just with everything that's going on with this pandemic that we're dealing with, but we're in a time when people are getting isolated and people need someone to talk to sometimes on more than a superficial level. They may have something they need to get off their chest. They may be struggling with something. They may just need to be recognized as a human being. And that's where active listening comes in. And active listening, like I said, it's an activity. It's, it's something you do. You just don't sit back and do it. You actually take the time and invest in that person that you're listening to. Interesting. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about you mentioned a pandemic, uh, excuse me, the pandemic. And, you know, we hear a lot about isolation mm-hmm. and, and the, the lack of socialization, right, because of lockdowns and things like that. Um, I'm imagining that this can be practiced even from afar. Can it, yeah. can it be done that way? Yeah, there are some things we're going to talk about, like, wouldn't work well like over a phone call. Okay. Some of the visual clues and stuff like that. But yes, it can very much be done distance. Um, mm-hmm. It would probably be harder to do that. But yes, I think it's important to keep that in mind that it is something you can use, however. Yeah, because like any art, right? It's the practice of it. Practice. We, you we, know, we've said that before about all of this. It's yeah. always practice. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm just again. I'm thinking about in our current day with with the the ability to be with other human beings. I mean, obviously, in your immediate family, you you can have that dynamic, and maybe that's a great place to start this practice, right? It it, it might be the hardest place to do it, but yes, it's probably interesting. Yeah is is that because of maybe this the thorny potential of the relationship, or is there maybe another reason why that family? Well, it's got- it's. It's a, you're already in an intimate situation, and there's probably some baggage that comes along with this okay. that, that might make it a little bit harder to put all that aside and concentrate on what's happening in the moment. Okay, so I'll give you an example, Jeff, and just tell me if I'm tracking well with you here, right? So and no surprise to our audience, musician, <laughs> musician alert. Um, so I, I think about uh, how I my personality um, wraps around music and and that kind of thing. And it goes beyond 
the lyrics to the song or the melody and the harmonic express, all that kind of thing. I, I, I tend to go very deep with it. Now, my wife is not that kind of mm-hmm. music person. Um, and she, because of her personality, um, is not so engaged on that emotion deal. I look for it. And, mm-hmm. and to me, that's kind of my my high in music. Is, that's, is, I agree. That's you know, what know. makes music music. Yeah, right? So I have one situation where I was listening to a song by Pat Metheny, and I just marveled at the fact that the song started out so simple. It was just like two notes on a piano. And I thought, man, this is just so emotive. And, he, and you know, I wanted to know, and, and I was talking to her about it. And then I could look and I could tell I was losing her, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. So can there be an ex- expectation on our part that active listening can be for short periods of time as well as for long periods of time? Because I think maybe sometimes, maybe some people in the audience may think, oh, you mean like where we're sitting down talking for an hour, hour and a half about a deep subject that, that's really important. But can it be applied to maybe something as – it could be applied anywhere. You could be filling your car up with the gas pump and the person at the gas pump next to you or across from you, however, starts a conversation. That's really key, Jeff, because I think sometimes there isn't there this tendency that we kind of – we pick and choose which ones are worth our active listening? Yeah, it's it goes back to you know this doesn't apply so much now, but you would walk into work and you would ask somebody how they are. Mm-hmm. And they would go, okay, and you know they're not okay. That's right. the that's active listening in that one second because you can tell by their tone or their body language, uh, whatever, there's something going on. And so, then if, if you have empathy, which we hope we all do, yep. you'll do something with that. So I know you're going to go through some things today that really kind of unwraps, uh, and I believe you even got a little exercise that will be kind of cool uh, too. Um so what happens – what is the danger of being a, a, a person who chooses and person who – or I better said, what is the danger of being an inactive listener and then being an active listener? The, the danger of being an inactive listener is uh, your relationship with that person won't progress like it could. It, you know, mm. what, what, are, what is the, the – uh, uh, potential in that, you know, if it's the person at the gas pump, it's not going to go that far. But if it's that person in your office or the person in your home, the danger of not active listening is it's just not going to progress to to the depth that it could. There is a danger in active listening is now you're involved. Yeah, the risk. The risk of that is you now are now involved, and and you need to make sure your motivation is clear. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we'll talk about here, but I'll briefly mention it, they're probably not talking to you to get an answer. Yeah. They're talking at you to bounce ideas off you or to just unload. Mm-hmm. So part of active listening is not actively um, giving advice. So you, yeah. you need to take that part out of it. They may say – you know, they may directly ask you, and that's different, but you just don't drop it in without being asked. I know from time to time in our episodes, we, we like to throw in how certain competencies and emotional intelligence mm-hmm. can help you. And I think this is one of those times 
So are there any competencies that you might recommend to the audience as they are, maybe let's say they've decided to take the risk to to engage and be involved? Yeah. Well, the first one is emotional literacy. Mm. Because, you know, we talk about emotional literacy and a lot of times we think it's just about our emotional literacy. Yeah. How can we recognize our feelings? But I think a more important part is how well are you recognizing the those and other people mm-hmm. and, and try to get an idea of what's triggering them from that uh, intrinsic motivation. Why are you doing this? If you're doing this just to get gossip for the water cooler, that's not good. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing this because you really do care, because you have empathy, another one of our competencies, or if this is part of your noble goal, you know, my goal is to do this. Those are the, some of the ones I think you really need to pay attention to. I would throw in, too, just from the, my own personal experience, uh, is that the idea of applying consequential mm-hmm. thinking, right? Yes. Because I know for me, um, I have more than a few of my past days where I, I was that selective listener. Uh, I, I kind of judged mm-hmm. what people deserved my attention, what people didn't, you know? And um, though I, I, I've i grown and learned and have moved far, far away from that, and I'm still far, far away from getting to some point of where I can say I've mastered it. Um, <laughs> I understand now. I, I ask myself, okay, what happens if I choose not to listen? What What are some of the downsides of this, especially with closer relationships? You're discounting their worth. Yeah. And they'll know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it, that's good. So yeah, you're you're taking away their value as a person, and and a lot of times that's what they're seeking when they want to talk with someone, is to make sure that they do have value as a person. Wow. You know, I've I've mentioned before, I've been involved in a prison ministry now for thirty years, the Kairos ministry, mm-hmm. uh, and its effectiveness is that's our main goal. You know, we go in and, and it is a Christian ministry. We go in and teach them the basics of of. Of Christianity, but mm-hmm. that's not why we were there. We're there to show them that they are still human and they still have value and someone cares about them. Yeah. And I'm going to brag a little bit. The Kairos Ministry has been named the most effective volunteer program in Ohio. Ah. <laughs> so something nice. is working. And Yeah. And but I that's think that, not a great surprise, though, is it, Jeff? I mean, I mean, if you imagine what we kind of culture we'd have, society, if the main goal was helping people feel valued. There would be a lot of problems that would go away. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't solve everything, obviously, but but certainly there'd be some of these less, I mean, there'd be less of these irritating uh, squabbles of, at the end of the day, doesn't really matter much, but. uh, Well, those squabbles escalate, and at the end of the day, uh, a lot uh, of times it really does matter. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just look at our culture right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Totally get that. So that's a few uh, areas of um, uh, using the competencies. The risk, though, Jeff, is what if the person is going to tell you something that's going to hurt? Maybe deeply. That's when your emotional intelligence, if you're really practicing, it will kick in because, one, you need to have empathy for that person. Mm-hmm. Somewhere or another, they've been hurt. Whether it's valid or not, that's really not important at this point. Mm-hmm. And you need to really look at that. And and this is another term that we used a lot. 
be curious about that statement. Mm-hmm. Why do they think that is? Um, and and you know when you're listening to someone, we're going to talk about not interrupting and things, but there is a point where there is a time when you should interrupt and ask some powerful questions. That's a coaching term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, ask them. You know, depending on the situation, why? Don't don't give them a chance to say a yes or a no, mm-hmm. but give them one of those questions where they have to actually all open ended, open ended, yeah, and and be curious. And if if you have allowed yourself to be a participant to be engaged with that person, that's the risk. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not going to go. You know, it might not always go the way you want it to go, which is life in general. Yes, um, and, and I would just throw out too uh, to the audience if you're out there and y- as you maybe now's the time where you take an inventory of your relationships, right? And um, the ones that are relatively healthy, may this be a bell that's ringing in your head to go. Don't take this person for granted. Hmm. Uh, and hopefully you'll have some practical tools on this active listening today um, and go practice it now. Don't wait. Well, um, and that that's a good point. You may, in, you may be the one that instigates mm-hmm. this chance for that person to talk to you because yeah. of something like you just said. Yep. You know, I've noticed that you've been kind of distanced from me. Mm-hmm. If you ask that question – and you're really actively listening, you have to actively listen. Yeah, and you know what, Jeff? And I think in this time of the pandemic, I mean, it could be maybe your relationships are just off the charts great and close and all the rest. But the spirit of not taking something for granted, I think, is to, even if we go at it from the angle of, hey, I know things seem to be working out and and we're we're gelling well, our, our relationship has got depth, but I don't want to take it for granted. Mm-hmm. How are you really doing? And I heard this the other day, the asking the question, how's your soul? How's mm-hmm. your soul doing? You yeah. Know? And and maybe they're going to tell you, oh, it's great as you think it is. But you know, they might also go somewhere else, right? I'm I'm probably going to reiterate these things at the end. That's where I was going to talk to them about. But there was two two concepts. I'm being I'm, a bad host, am I? I'm no, stealing from your end. No, no, no. This, <laughs> this is a good thing to think about before we get into it. If you are actively listening to someone, that's a privilege. And it's privileged. The privilege is somebody is sharing with you. And privileged is it stays between you and them unless there's something like self-harm or they're going to do harm to someone else. It stays It stays right there. Oh, it doesn't awesome. go any further. And then the second thing is you can use whatever term you want, but I consider when, when somebody is trusting me enough to unload that stuff on me, I consider that a sacred moment. You're on sacred ground, and mm-hmm. you can put your t- own term in for sacred, whatever works for you. Yeah. But that's a sacred time, which is a spatial time. It's something that is uh, unique. I, I'm also thinking, Jeff, um, allow me to go here before we get into the meat of some of the exercise piece. There, there are these um, folks out there who are very successful at what they do, um, maybe – even pandemic notwithstanding, they're doing great, maybe doing better than even before the pandemic. Fill in the blank, financially, promotions, the whole nine yards. Um, what do you think, um, and, and I have some thoughts around it, but I want to get your thought around 
how does this apply to the person who says, Jeff, I'm good, man. I, I, I my life is great. I, I listen. I listen enough. I don't need to act active. Uh, what do you say to that person? And I know there's a chance they're probably not interested in listening to you, but <laughs> probably not. But what would you what would you say the danger is for that person? The danger for that person is once again they're missing out. They're they're not learning to grow because I find myself when I've had the opportunity to, to actively listen, and especially when I've had the opportunity to be actively listened to, it's a it's an immense way to grow. It's um, mm. you're you're developing as a person when you do that, and just because you're successful does not mean you're developing as a person. Yeah, there can be a definite difference between the two. Right? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about it in terms. I know that you grew up on a farm, and I don't remember. I I want to say it was a dairy farm, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so um, this may not necessarily have applied to your farming background, but I think about our expectations of growth and success. Uh, we live in an age where obviously you could hop on your smartphone and find out, you know, what's the largest city in India and you'd find it in what, maybe 10, 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Success. You got the answer. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think sometimes we apply that to just about everything, but farmers will tell you that when you plant a seed, there are no options and shortcuts it's going to take a certain amount of time. Maybe one year could be different than another based on drought and, mm-hmm. and rainfall and all that, right, or dryness. But at the end of the day, typically you plant the seed here, you get a crop here. Mm-hmm. I would really recommend and, and, and hope that you'll pause for a moment out there and think about success as a journey, right, this idea of growing and learning and what we're throwing out to you today is just another thing, another seed to plant that will pay. I mean, it, it produces a great crop. You, know, you, you mentioned growing up on a farm, and I, I can remember my dad would combine. I, I can't part of it. I can describe the scientific part mm-hmm. of the farming, You're measuring the soil pH and right. this, that, and the other thing, crop rotation and stuff. But then there was. I don't want to call it a spiritual, but I can remember him going out and digging into the dirt with his hands and feeling it and rubbing it and doing all this kind of thing. It was, it was, I don't, I can't describe it, hmm. what, what it really would be, but that was part of it too, because there's going to be some of this that we're talking about is very cut and dried. Right. It's going to be this, this, and this. Yep. And then there's going to be another part of this growth that is. Uh, it's almost of, like the mystery, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and I couldn't, and he couldn't even explain what he was doing, but that was part of his decision process. Okay, we need to do this to this soil to get it ready. That soil's fine, but this needs some more of this. Interesting. And Interesting. Wow. It, it, it's just, it, it, I, I can't explain it. Yeah, because I guess, and I may not have set the right stage for this, but I guess. In an age where we want it in 15 seconds, it can be difficult to accept that there's some things that are going to have some mystery to it, that there's some Mm -hmm. things that start today but won't reveal themselves until much further down the road. Just the the act of planting the crop. You don't know if it's going to rain enough. Is it going to rain too much? Is it going to get cold? Um, What – 
there's so many things into it, but you're planning it, you're doing it with a faith that at that time you'll have the harvest. And I think we have to have some faith in what we're talking about, that it's going to be worth the effort. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, Jeff, what's next? That was kind of deep, but anyway. Oh, that's deep, and I love it. I love it deep. (laughs) Okay, so we're just going to go through some steps, and some of them are pretty obvious. You want to maintain eye contact with the person, not, you know, staring them down, but eye contact is one of the best ways to show somebody that you're actually listening. You're actually taking the time to pay attention to them, and it's a visual thing. Obviously, like we said before, if you're doing it on the phone, you can't, but... You know, if you're in person on Zoom, even on Zoom, okay, keep the eye contact going. You know, look them in the eye as best you can. This is one I struggle with because I'm a fidgeter. Put your cell phone in your pocket or in a desk drawer. Don't have a pen in your hand that you're clicking or doing. <laughs> I mean, I I can't help it. That's just how I am. But don't do that. It's it's a distraction to that person because you may be listening intently. All I see is you fiddling with your phone. Are they looking at their phone? Mm. You know, what are they doing? So you want to not fidget around too much. You want to, you know, do everything you can to pay attention. You don't want to interrupt unless there's that place where you need to ask one of those powerful questions. So, mm. you know, let them talk, let them lead the conversation. But if you need clarification, if you need to go, no, I, I don't understand what you were saying or, or, I don't understand that situation. You give me a little more detail of what was happening. Once again, it's open-ended. They just can't say yes or no, but give them a chance to explain. That way you have, one, shown interest in them to ask that question, and two, now you have more information for this conversation. So, Jeff, I'm going to go back to your Zoom thing, and that one I I certainly – I wonder, and this is maybe just a me thing. There's the video camera that's built in on your laptop, mm-hmm. and there's typically a green or some type of light that comes on. Well, when I'm looking at the screen, you know, the box where the f- person is might be a little to my left or a little to it's my tough. right. And I know the actual camera is up above. So how do you – I mean, is it one of those things where I look at the camera and even though they're over there? I mean, I, maybe that's a, a silly I, question. I, I try – well, one – I have a big screen yep. and with my laptop off to the side, mm-hmm. and the big screen I have a plug-in webcam right. that I can position where I want it on top of the screen. Ah, okay. So I can get it, move it around a little bit. They didn't see me do that, but I can move it around a little bit so that I'm focused more on that person. Okay. All right. Way off of the beaten path. But, <laughs> but I no, had, that, I that's to something ask. to think about. Yeah. yeah. So and then the nonverbal cues. Um if all of a sudden they lean back and cross their hands or if they're leaning forward, you know, open, you want to pay attention to those kind of things. Um, you know, are they fidgeting? If they're uncomfortable, if it's something that's, you know, embarrassing or something that's hurtful, they're, they're moving around or, or whatever, closing up, uh, take that into consideration and maybe you might need to encourage them. Which that's a good thing to do is give them a little bit of, of encouragement. Well, what kind of encouragement? Give us an example of what that might uh, might look like. You know, I, I I see that you know, I can just tell that you're having a little bit of nervousness with this. Is it, you know, I'm I'm not judging. I'm I'm just I want to listen to you. It's important to me that I hear what you have to say. So you know, don't be afraid to say it. And you know, however you want to phrase okay. that. All right. That it's important to me that I hear what you're saying. You know, restate. So, so Eric, you just said this. Can you clarify that for me? 
that's another way to ask one of those powerful questions. You you repeat back what they said, one, that shows that you are actually listening to hmm. them, and two, they have a chance to clarify. And Okay, by giving them the opportunity to clarify something that maybe really isn't that important, mm-hmm. it maybe give them a chance to regroup a little bit. Yep. Okay, now – now I gave them some information. I feel comfortable doing that. It's just something to keep the conversation going. Got it. Um, so, and really, this is a conversation, but it's directed a little bit different. So, mm-hmm. you know, restate, encourage. Like we just talked about that. Okay. You know, if they're starting to slow down, you know, encouraging and encouragement can come in a lot of different ways. It could come from one of those kind of questions. Can that uh, relate to uh, potentially? Asking that person if they need to take a break, if we need to pause or – Yeah, you can do that. Um, you just want to make sure you're not making it seem like this is a uh, disposition at a trial or mm-hmm. <laughs> something right. like that. Right. You know, But yeah, you may say, you know, let's just stop for a second. Because if you're in, a, in, a, in you're interacting with someone or some people who maybe um, are a little bit more um, anxious about the subject matter mm-hmm. – uh, they may not have the, you know, sort of the mental stamina to, to just go on and on and on and on and on, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm thinking, would they be encouraged by the opportunity to say, you know, what, let's just let's just take a few minute break, um, just to exhale here. And then this is when you would might want to do one of those. When you come back to that, mm-hmm. clarify then again. Okay, this mm-hmm. we were talking about this. Gotcha. You know, go from there. Uh, and that's also the probing, but you want to do it gently. If somebody is – you could tell they're close to what they really want to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, might want to gently probe or – I hate to use that term, but uh, you might want to just kind of you know, keep digging a little deeper. It's that curiosity, right? Yeah. The, the idea of, of, of looking beyond just what's directly in front of you, right? And, and I think it's okay to say, okay, I, I'm, I'm curious about this. You know, you, you just said this, and uh, my curiosity is telling me there's something deeper there. Well, and and here's something that leaps out to me, Jeff. You know, this idea you mentioned it earlier. You know, certain words um, can be really affirming to mm-hmm. to the other person. You know, I don't know about you, but if someone says, "I'm curious, Eric, about how you did this," or "I'm curious, Eric, when did you start that?" That's yeah. an expression of like. I want to learn from you. I want. I want. I'd like to receive something from you yeah. because I value it. Yeah, I, I'm curious. What were you thinking when that was happening? Exactly. You know, just questions like that. Yeah. You know, to to uh, to move it ahead. Got it. So, you know, and then minimal talking. Like I said, there's going to be times when you need to ask questions, like we talked about, do the encouragement, and it's okay to go. Okay, yeah. You know, some of those little short sentences to show that you are paying attention. You know, I heard that or however you want to say it. Right. And then then validate. You want to make sure that you're making – you're giving that person the validation, the value that uh, they deserve. You know, you're not trying to solve their problem. You're not trying to judge them. You're there just to validate who they are hmm. and what the situation is. This is what's happening, or this is what happened. This is what you're afraid may happen because sometimes the conversations will go that way. But make sure you understand that it's important to you because important to them. Yeah, this is powerful. Wow. Um, just just thinking of uh, 
of the impact that it could have on relationships, um, close and far. But yeah, uh, and, and you'll find if you're doing this, one, it can be tiring. Mm. It, it there there is an emotional drain on that. Um, is that always because of a heavy subject, or is it just the 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 amount of effort that you put in yeah, to be active? The emotional energy that you're expending. To be active, and that's not always negative, right? No, no, no. Uh, anything you know, to move anything ahead is going to take energy. Yeah, because it's you know <laughs> kind of like the idea of moving furniture. Or, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. There's, there's going to be energy, and you're going to have to expend it to move ahead. Yeah. And this is the kind of energy that, when you expend, is usually easily replenished. Hmm. Because I don't want to sound this like it's a self-serving thing, but when you're doing something like this for the right motives, that's uh, intrinsic motivation. Mm-hmm. Intrinsic motivation is a good way to replenish that in, in uh, energy that we're talking about. Any other questions about the steps? I don't think so. I think you've been very thorough, Jeff. Okay. So now we're going to introduce a third party that he's been here for all the podcasts, which you've never heard. Him. This is Brett, and I'm true. And my Welcome, life. Brett. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's the one that makes us sound intelligent, so thank you. Nah. <laughs> He's kind of like a wizard. Yes. The man behind the, the uh, sound, I don't know there what you go, call there it. There you go. So, yeah, no curtain. No, <laughs> no curtain. So what we're going to do is I'm going to tell a story. It's not a real, real deep story, but it, it has meaning. And Eric is going to be my active listener. And Brett is kind of going to critique what's going on when we get done. And uh, – We'll go from there. So right now, we're in the middle of remembering the blizzard of 78. It happened 43 years ago. For the people that's not from the middle of the country, we had, I don't know, 24, 36 inches of snow and blizzards and all kinds of stuff, and it was really, really bad. I was still on the farm. I was working off the farm, but when this happened, I ended up being stranded there. So I want to tell a story from that. So – they said earlier, Eric said, I grew up on a dairy farm, and, and we were pretty well prepared for things like that. We had a, a big tractor generator thing that we could use to power all the electricity. We had fuel oil for the furnaces and the tractors. Um, all that kind of stuff was good, but nobody really expected this blizzard. And what we used to heat the milking parlor was kerosene heaters. And... We, you know, it was 40 degrees the day before this all happened. So, Jeff, I've got to interrupt you and ask. Yeah. Kerosene heaters like uh, the quasi, the round thing, you fill it with kerosene and light it? it it's thing? the ones that kind of look like a jet engine. You'll see them on the sidelines of football games and things like that. Yes. So we had okay. a couple of those with thermostats got and it. things like that. So we could set it because the, the milk parlor had water in it and the pipes, and it, it couldn't freeze. If it froze, we couldn't milk the cows. Uh, so, but we were doing well. Um, food wasn't an issue. My mom canned. We we could live there for a year probably with, with nothing like that. So we were good that way. But we didn't have the kerosene. If those things froze up, we were done. And that's not a good thing for high producing dairy cows to not be able to milk them. That's a whole other story. So, every you know, travel was banned. Seriously banned. Like you can get arrested. Banned if you were out on the road and didn't need to be because the the uh, first responders, including the military, were tired of digging people out of snowdrifts that didn't need to be out. But we were only about a half a mile from town, and 
the gas station, a, a good friend of my dad's, um, he had the kerosene we needed. And so dad called the, the, the police in, in the little town of Jamestown, which we knew very well and told him what we were going to do. And he said, that's fine because he knew we were equipped. So we literally had to take one of the tractors with a front end loader and a uh, blade on the back to dig our way out and up the road. The roads were completely covered, like two or three feet covered. So we had to dig it, dig it all the way out. And then we had our pickup truck behind it because the, there was no cab on this tractor. So I would drive and do it for about 10 or 15 minutes. And then dad and I would switch to get warm because it was, you know, 30, 40 mile an hour winds and it was zero out. So we got dug up. And uh, we didn't have to go all the way to the gas station. The, the the guy came with his truck, and he was going to fill up our cans, so we didn't have to go all the way. And we got almost to where we wanted to go, and right in the middle of the road was a bright orange Chevy Vega. And if anybody is familiar with a Chevy Vega, wonderful car. That was sarcasm. Uh, they came pre-rusted from the factory. <laughs> and this Vega was stuck right in the middle of the road had bald tires on it, and the guy was in it, and you could see where he pulled out of his driveway right there, and he was trying to get to the grocery store because he was out of cigarettes. That's all he needed. And that really made my dad angry. <laughs> and the guy asked, would you dig him out? And I'll just never forget, dad just said no. We dug around him, left him sitting there because he could walk to his house. We got our fuel and came back, and by the time we got back, you couldn't even see his car because it was completely buried. So it was just an, an interesting thing that was going on, how people didn't really take things seriously because people were dying. I don't know. There was around 100 people, I think, in Ohio that died from the aftermath of that blizzard and just how people don't know how to prioritize things. So what would you say was the lasting impact on you that you carried on into the years ahead? I, th I think it was part of it, and this is one of our uh, competencies, is the consequential thinking. That if that guy was on the way to the doctor with a sick kid, my dad would have – we would have dug him all the way there. Actually, we probably would have put him in our pickup truck and taken him because that was something that he would need to do because you know the consequences of not doing that – you know, a kid could die or get really sick or, you know, whatever. But the consequences of not having cigarettes is not a life or death thing. <laughs> right. So it, it, I think I really, you know, I was 21 when that happened. So still a kid, you know, they say adult males don't get brain developed until like 26 or something. So I still had that mush brain, whatever you want to call it. But it really made a lasting impression on me. What are the consequences of doing that? And I think it still works today. You know, we live here in the Midwest where we get snow and stuff. So if it's bad weather out, okay, I don't really – we don't need to go to the movie tonight. We can just stay home. Or, yeah, we need to do this because of that. So the consequences of things. Got it. So just a little story, but uh, I thought it was interesting. And it's it like is. I said, it's the 43rd anniversary of when that happened. Appropriately, appropriately <laughs> done. So, Brett. Yes. Do you want me to judge maybe on a scale? Yeah. Okay. However you want to do it. Okay, however you want to do it. So, we'll go back to maintain eye contact. And and I'm going to mix a lot of this as well, too, just 
So you okay. know, and I think it's it's appropriate. Okay. Watching every episode that you've ever created as well, too. So okay, I, I think bringing that in as well adds to the flavor of, as you've mentioned many times, this is unscripted, folks. And so they really are having a conversation, and most times one doesn't know what the other is bringing to the table until they come in, which is a good thing because it, it's they are so knowledgeable in what they're doing. They know they have the confidence in each other to have the conversation. So the the eye contact is always there between the two of you, and and during mm-hmm. the story it was mm-hmm. you're because you are looking for those verbal cues from each other because it's a conversation. Um, the fidgeting, very little, very little. Now you're unlike me. I think you guys don't talk with your hands. I'm already moving my hands around. <laughs> so I usually typically try to find something <laughs> to hold on to and you're going to hear clicking or whatever, but I'm just, I'm, I'm a, a hand waver, that, that sort of thing. But neither one of you do that or, you know, in, in your case, yeah, Eric, right. you don't. Right. Uh, the interrupting, no, very minimal. And if the interrupting is really to clarify or a question mm-hmm. and you're like me. I got this question. I got to ask it now <laughs> because I want that in the story right now. You know, right. I don't want it later on because it's a really good question. <laughs> that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I think that's that's a good thing. Going back to the eye contact, watching the nonverbal clues and cues. Yes, for sure. Um, again, you're always in that conversation, so I think you. I, I've seen you react with me as well too, Eric. That you're. You, you act with with Jeff as you do with me of, of mm-hmm. watching those nonverbal cues. Yep. Restate and clarify. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- you know, again, I guess I'm not going on any kind of scale here of one to five, but yes, yeah, I think you restated and clarified because you bring an additional question or clarification to what he was just told, rather than restating of just saying, "Well, that the kerosene." You 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 sing- signified it's like I heard you say kerosene. Wait a minute, that triggered a question in my mind mm-hmm. to, to talk about it. The encouragers really wasn't much to encourage with this because it was just a story and such. But you do encourage, of course, <laughs> when you're when you're having the conversation with them. Uh, the probing that kind of goes back to the kerosene. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, the probing question. It showed engagement that you really cared about the story, though you may not have lived through the blizzard like. Well, it's you, just. You know, I mean, I Jeff and did, Jeff but. Jeff is very good at. I mean, it's obvious he's very good at this, this, this work we do, mm-hmm. but he's a good storyteller. Right. So how I determine a good storyteller is if I can put myself going, okay, I can see his dad and they're in the tractor and then Jeff's in the truck and then they come to this guy in the, <laughs> in the Vega and I can see, I bet it's gotta be one of that pale yellow and blue color and He's probably someone that's a little older and curmudgeon you know. And Nobody's he, he, going to tell me. I'm yeah, not going to go buy I don't, cigarettes. I want my cigarettes, <laughs> right? And, well, um, if you knew my dad, you could also imagine the blue cloud of profanity that <laughs> was floating over everything. That did not get into my imagination. <laughs> However, uh, but that's, that's what it is. It's uh, a good storyteller, to me, creates – the imagery, it's like creating a movie in your mind, mm-hmm. at least for me. That's what I was – where I was when you, you were telling the story. Right. You're going, you're going along for the ride. Yeah, exactly. Story, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Minimal talking, yes. I mean, as most cases, you don't and, mm-hmm. and with this, you didn't as well either. And validating, again, coming back down to bringing up something from the story that you heard – and you're validating, say, heard that. Yeah, but I, I want to ask more about that. So I think a lot of these melt together mm-hmm. in yeah. what you're doing. And, and I think uh, you know, you made a comment about the distractions or whatever. I, I think the nodding of the head helps a lot too. And Zoom has made us really do a lot of that nonverbal mm-hmm. cue 
Um, mm-hmm. You can't really – we can nod just lightly here, but the Zoom, you've got to over <laughs> enunciate yeah. the nod that you kind of get it uh-huh. and yeah. such. But yeah, your you're comment about the draining, you're exactly right. I mean if you're truly engaged in that conversation, I know – I'm sure some of the interviews you've done, you guys walked away drained. Oh, because yeah. they've we've, been really, talked about, really yeah. mm-hmm. good. Yeah. But it's a good drain that you know you've hit a home run yeah. after that interview, that podcast. Going, wow, that had to stop. Shoot. Yeah. Well, and I will tell you, um, and I, I know, you know, for this exercise and, and whatnot, but um, this this podcast, um, and I, I the, one of the things I love about working with Jeff. Is is that it does hearken me to those, you know? Here comes my Miles Davis story, Jeff. Um, <laughs> that that idea of these musicians that are coming into a studio in New York and they're given just a sheet of paper with just kind of notes and kind of this is kind of where we're going, and then it was like on two, and then they begin, and on the face of it, you can look at that and go, "How in the world they do that? That's how how to that." Mm-hmm. With no rehearsal, but how? And the thing about it is, I think, as as I feel in our relationship in doing this show, there is this idea about understanding those cues, right? It's it's playing to that. I can look at Jeff, and I know he can look at me. If I see him sinking or losing, staying on a track, I know that's my cue to maybe kind of shift it a bit. Or maybe even to say, Brett, let's cut there. Did you mean... Mm-hmm. And that right. gives him time, right? And that's that kind of conversational, and that's yeah. what jazz is. It it's is listening, like this conversation, and it's a, listening is a part of conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You mentioned it, something about the you know the art of practice with this. I would encourage everyone to go back and listen to a very early episode between you two, and now listen to you. Much mm. different, much different, yeah. because oh, yeah. it was it was, still wasn't scripted. Yeah. But it still came down to you had many, many more questions of where you're going to go. But you needed that crutch, quote unquote, mm-hmm. at that point in time yep. before you learned each other. But you have a much different podcast now as you've learned the art of listening yeah, with each and, other and, and doing an interview podcast and, and knowing where you guys are going to go and when the end comes, when to know when to, to end. And, yeah. and I think there's some trust between us that we're not going to go too far off of what we're talking about. Yeah, so right. we can trust each other to do that. Mm-hmm. I do want to mention one more thing about yeah, absolutely. what Eric did. At the end, he surprised me because this isn't something we really talked about. But he asked me, what did I learn from that? Mm. And it brought it together. And I had to think about it and go – Oh, okay. It validated that whole story, didn't it? Yeah. That, what What was yeah. you know? I don't want to say what was the point of the story, right? But what did you learn from that? And that's that's a good question. That is a powerful question when somebody goes through that. What well, did you learn anything from this experience? Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was really great. Absolutely. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us. We really enjoyed our time together, and hopefully, this will drive you to be an active listener. And I think Jeff would agree with me. It's a small step after another small step. Um, exactly. And it's it's vitally important to put in the work and the practice. So with that, have a great week. We'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So yes. how do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. 
that's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them, so... Reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. You think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us. So we're, we're not the perfect podcast host. We're close. Okay. But, all right. But, but not, still, not totally we want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it'll, it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or, or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So yes. how do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them, so... Reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us so to we're, hear. So we're not the perfect podcast host? We're close. Okay. All but, right. But, but not, still, not totally we want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it'll, it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or, or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Once again, we really appreciate you tuning in today. One of the things that Jeff and I want to bring to your attention as well is that when we created this podcast, it was not intended to take the place of a clinician. In other words, if you find yourself in a place where there's something deeper going on or something that you cannot solve on your own, we do recommend that you reach out to a clinician of some sort. This podcast is purely opinion-based and it is rooted in the desire to help you along your path in whatever way we can. However, it is never going to replace, nor should it ever be looked at as a replacement for clinical help in any way. Thanks again for tuning in.